Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. Can you hear me, David Lee Scales? I can hear you. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? I've gotten the COVID. Did you get the COVID? <laughs> Dude, Congrats. bad freaking news. Congratulations. That means I am last man standing. You and Lauren, we both, up until days ago, we were just like thinking we were... I mean, yeah. that was the problem, is that we thought, I thought, that I was unbeatable. You didn't. You didn't go knock on wood when you had that. When you had that fleeting thought, I really should have. That was oh. my fatal flaw. Uh, how does it feel? Not that bad at all, actually. Really mild symptoms. Uh, do you have the classic COVID brain fog? I don't think so. We'll see. By the end of today's recording, maybe listeners can chime in on that. Um, I haven't. I haven't been asked to exercise my brain in any way, really, in almost a week. Well, you, you, the good thing is, I don't think you'll be asked to exercise it here either. Perfect. <laughs> um, so for listeners, to bring them up to speed, I went to New York, and that was the culprit. New York is the culprit, I think. Was there was there a moment that you're in New York, either on the plane or at your, it was a wedding, was it not? Yeah, it was a wedding. In the reception or at a restaurant where you thought, you know what? You know, when you get food poisoning and you can like kind of pinpoint it back to of the course. thing you ate, uh, is there a moment in New York where you could pinpoint your COVID? 100%. It was freaking Times Square late at night and it was just pure packed pandemonium as if COVID had never happened before, you know, like it was pre-COVID levels of chaos. And you have moments like this in life where you actually can almost uh, perceive the future and it was like, we had dinner. We went back to the hotel for, to, I don't know, for what, for a minute. And then we were going to go back out to Times Square just to see it at night, you know? And I didn't really want to go. And I knew we shouldn't go. And I'm like, well, it's going to be crowded there. We should probably just avoid it entirely. And then we got there and sure enough, it's crowded. And it's like, why are we even walking around here? And I think that was my demise. Man, it's nice though that you can pinpoint it. And Times Square, and Times Square is also a full on pit. Like there is nothing, there is nothing for the sophisticated man or woman about town to do in Times Square. It was, I wish I had never done it. Yeah, it's dumb. I had, I had never seen Times Square at night before. So I figured we're, and we're staying so close to it that I was like, I should at least see it, you know? Yeah, but no, that was, 
recommendation to everybody within the sound of my voice, never go see Times Square, period, no matter what time of day. Doesn't matter. It's dumb. It is a dumb place filled with beautiful people. My new favorite Midwesterners or Southerners or whatever they were. Well, how was, yeah, how did your journey go? Should we catch up on that? Uh, sure. I mean, yeah, last we spoke, I do believe where, oh, I was in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, home to uh, World Surf League CEO, Eric Logan, uh, left that after our podcast, I guess it was almost noon by the time I got on the road, uh, and made it to Memphis, Tennessee by the evening. Have you ever been to Memphis, Tennessee? I have. I love it dearly. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. We talked about you going to Graceland. Yeah, phenomenal town. Uh, I got there kind of as the sun was setting, stayed in an awesome hotel. That's where I found the uh, one, the only non-surfing surf fan. No, you found someone. I found him. Rizza. Rizza. Atop the, I stayed in a hotel called the Who Hotel, which is pretty epic. And they had a rooftop bar. So I was up there working. Uh, and <clears throat> nice black gentleman at the bar, nice black bartender. It was like, every, that's what I loved about Memphis part, partially is like everything was black or at least where I was staying. Like it was, a, I was the lone white dude. So I'm sitting there, lone white dude working. Uh, and I hear from the bar, Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk. I got <laughs> Tony Hawk. I get Tony Hawk from time to time. So thought, Ooh, if this guy knows Tony Hawk, maybe he knows surfing. So hobbled over and uh, yeah, I had a conversation. He's like, yeah, anytime it's on ESPN3, I watch it. And that was close enough for me. So he said, I love it. And what he loved about it was, he said, I can't even balance on a skateboard on land. These guys balance on a board on water. And then he was demonstrating to the bartender who didn't watch, but knew Kelly Slater, not by name, but knew a surfer who dated models. So I'm assuming that had to have been Kelly Slater. Anyhow, Watching pro surfing on ESPN3, whatever that is, was close enough for me. Yeah, I fully agree. So did you tell him what worldsurfleague.com was? And is he watching the US Open right now? I hope not. I didn't want to. I just wanted him because that was my other great revelation is that surfing and watching surfing and all of it, everything to do with surfing makes people buttholes. And so it's better, better that these people all just remain beautiful by themselves. They don't need surfing. They don't need surfing to taint their lives. Wow, this is quite the journey. I did not see it yeah. taking this twist in the final act. Yeah, that's what that's what I realized. I realized that the only two jerks that I really encountered on my road, uh, one was from Florida, one was yeah. from California. Like, yeah. so screw the coasts. That's God's country in the middle. Don't pollute it with serving. They don't need it. They're see, better. I'm wondering though, you you said in the previous sentence that, or the previous thought that uh watching surfing makes people buttholes i think also well so there is a difference between the act of surfing which i think is actually spiritual and has all of this virtue or things that come out of it that are virtuous there's life lessons and all this um but competitive surfing on the other hand is almost the antithesis to the act of surfing itself and then watching competitive surfing then takes it, spins it off into this weird, bizarre realm that you're right, may turn you into a butthole. Yep. You are, you are passively enjoying, you are a voyeur to this horrible behavior. It's like watching porn, I suppose. You're just like watching bad porn. Like Great quest, great analogy, perhaps. Yeah. I'll have to think this through. Yep. Porn, um, porn where like people are getting hurt and things like 
Well, I don't know. I don't know that you even need to put a qualifier on it. It could just be all porn full stop because the act itself is pure and full of great, full of virtue. Watching the act somehow perverts the act itself. It can never, you can never quite live in the moment after you've perverted yourself. Like there's always going to be some weird deviation that you take if you've fantasized about doing what somebody else is doing or tried to recreate and replicate what somebody else is doing you're not living in the moment with your partner perhaps so there is an analogy here that actually might be profound and world surf blade being purveyors of porn my story just going up this morning have you seen it's not up yet so this is a preview of coming attractions it'll be up by the time this podcast is out uh porn bots have infiltrated the world surf league stream now if you're sitting there watching WSL and the chat along the side is just porn bots. So it's all one of the What is a porn bot? I mean, just advertising, you know, do you like to F cheap? Click here, (laughs) like all those kinds of things. Cheap as in- uh, I don't know what it means, like Like inexpensive or dirty. Like I was unaware from context what it meant, but yeah, the World Surf League is infected, which makes sense because it is also infecting so you should click one of those links as a journalist it it's incumbent upon you click the link i will i'll I'll go on and click the link today on our as the u.s open of surfing is underway once again that's a risky move yeah it's a mic i'll get ready to throw my computer catch it on fire and throw it out i don't i don't know how that works anymore certainly when i when i was young and in high school and we had like one family computer in the living room those were subject to every virus you could possibly get but I haven't had a virus on, I'm, but I switched to Mac at some point, and I think Mac's a little more impervious. I haven't had a virus on my computer in a decade, is what I'm saying. Either that, or viruses got a lot smarter. Viruses used to be dumb and make your computer all sick, and now they just subtly work in the back where you don't even know you're sick. It's like Maybe. having COVID and not having symptoms. Maybe. That's a possibility. Well, um, congratulations on your journey. I feel like did you reveal, I feel like you wrote an article and revealed that Eric Logan reached out to you. You did. We discussed, okay, we discussed yeah. it off air, but I didn't know if you were keeping that a secret. And then I thought I saw an article about it. So. He did, yeah. Well, because I was still hoping it was going to happen. So Eric Logan, when he, when he realized I was in Oklahoma City, texted me and said, no way, OKC. And said, what are you doing? I told him I'm on an epic quest uh, to find the non-surfing surf fan or World Surf League fan, as it were. He said gave me a couple pointers. He said, this hotel over here, I can't remember which one, is haunted. Uh, I was not staying in that hotel, but I thought, oh, bummer that I'm not staying in the haunted one. Yeah. And then he said, you need to go uh, talk to my friend, Barry Switzer. And for those sports fans out there, Barry Switzer, oh my goodness, he was the coach of Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, uh, won, I think, three national championships in the 80s with Oklahoma. And then was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, won a Super Bowl with Cowboys, one of, I think, yeah, just a small handful, maybe even, excuse me, three coaches to have won both championships in college and the pros. Anyhow, I was never an Oklahoma fan, except my favorite football player of all time, Brian, the Boz Bosworth, uh, played for Oklahoma. Did you remember the Boz? I do. You, we, we talked about this off air and at the time I said no, but I totally do remember. Yeah. The Boz was like, as, as a kid, I loved the Boz and the, yeah. the Barry Switzer thing, 
like Barry, I read the Vaz's autobiography, I think it's right fifth grade or something. And Barry, <laughs> the, the uh, legend of Barry Switzer, I was like, absolutely no way. And I fully felt Eric completely bigfooted me once again. Like he is so good at this. He is no wonder, no wonder he's the CEO. If he gets me in to see, to meet Barry Switzer, then uh, there's no way I'll be able to fun make the WSL for like a long time. Like this is a, this is a masterful move from uh, Logan, but as it turns out, so he had, he had the night before put me on a group chat with uh, Barry Switzer and Barry Switzer's wife. And I was like, this is just incredible. Um, as it turns out, uh, it was Barry Switzer's wife, but not Barry Switzer. It was somebody who had that number and was uh, like fairly aggressively angry at this whole thing happening. And so I tried to, I, once it all fell apart after, uh, after we ended the podcast, I tr reached out to Barry Switzer's wife and said, I'm so sorry. You know, I don't know who that, obviously who that person was. I would love to meet, like sit down with your husband, crickets, and then texted the interloper, just wondering, hey, maybe this is the non-surfing surf fan and kept hitting them up and crickets also. So it all went dead. But on the plus side, I get to continue fun making the WSL. I beat Eric well, Logan. So a couple of thoughts, though. What a sweetheart Eric Logan is to reach out to you, try to make connections for you in his hometown. Also make connection with somebody who turned out to be your idol. He didn't know that was your idol, no. but it, really sweet of him to, you know, bend over backwards in that way. But the sub story here is him acting like he's friends with Barry Switzer when he doesn't even have the guy's phone number. And he ends Very up funny. including a stranger into the conversation, which then creates havoc for you. You know and what I mean? So, it, and Barry Switzer, well, so he does know enough. He knows Switzer enough to have his wife's phone number. You know what I mean? So like part of it is really good intentioned and sweet, but the other part of it is like trying hard to uh, name drop essentially is kind of what it is. I mean, trying hard to name drop and then kind of blowing it, but also right. totally like the, the intention was very, very, very sweet. It's sort of like the World Surf League in a little nutshell, where good intentions. I never doubt the World Surf League intentions and then the rollout of just a laughing stock half baked disaster. I think that really sums it up. This is a metaphor for the much greater picture, which we've always kind of known and talked about and analyzed and dissected actually weekly, but this sums <laughs> it up in a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, it really is like well-intentioned. Hey, we are here for you guys. You know, we're putting on a product for your entertainment, a free product, and then filling it full of Joe Turpels and weird window calls and all kinds of like completely unnecessary gaps. Well, completely misunderstanding and not knowing the product itself before taking the job and running with it in a certain direction that happens to be the wrong direction. That's the problem. But the and intentions are all good. Intentions, great. And so, yeah. So I imagine, imagine this analogy is also just coming to me. I haven't thought through it, but imagine um, getting a job in fine art and knowing nothing about fine art and you're responsible for the Louvre yeah. and you're maybe you're responsible for 
Da Vinci's estate, if that even exists, you know what I mean? And then, but you're like, oh no, I've I, like, I've, I've seen lots of art in my life and I understand how these I other like businesses art. work. And so yeah. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to manage the Louvre from here. And before you know it, you're doing, you know, running, I don't know what kids cartoon shows or something in the Louvre, because that's made out of animation and colors and bright things and people like it and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of the equivalent. And you would have like people rage filled, like real art critics and, you know, serious art, the serious art crowd totally rage filled at your decisions. And I would imagine you wouldn't even really understand why they were rage filled. You would see no. that they are like, they're all angry. Okay. I get it. Right. They're angry at something I did, but I don't know what I did that made them angry. Like, and so you probably keep doing other things like, Hey, we gave you what you, you wanted. We gave you this mid you know, you're cut where we've heard you. you. There's too many surfers on tour and we get it too. And we get that that's expensive. So we're going to cut it down. Now everybody's complaining about that and all right. kinds of stuff. like, what, what can we do? Right. Exactly. They just and don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll <clears throat> dig into that analogy and maybe come up with more in future shows. But for now I have vulgar van follow-up listener line call. If you would like to hear that. Let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Hey, David and Chaz. Uh, this is James from San Diego, a uh, friend of Stephen, who uh, called in regarding the uh, the van around New Zealand that uh, Luke Cederman actually responded to. So I just wanted to follow up with that. Uh, we actually had a great trip in New Zealand with our uh, conspicuous van. We actually saw Luke out there at Raglan uh, going barrel for barrel with an ace bucket, which was a pretty uh, surreal experience. Seeing a guy on his home turf is pretty incredible. But anyways, just wanted to say that I thought Luke was fully fucking with us when he was talking about the uh, the van with the uh, explicit uh, decals, but he's actually not. Another one of our uh, New Zealand friends pointed out that this van company actually has vans in New Zealand of a chicken fucking an egg and Snow White smoking crack and uh, among other vulgar uh, decals. So overall, our trip went well. We didn't have a vulgar van, so uh, I think a uh, van with decals is a full-on barrel. Anyways, keep up the work. How wild is that? And I really, truly love hearing updates. That's the, one of the best parts about this show is you and I do, or especially I, say a lot of things that I probably have intention of following through on, but just flat out don't, right? The, totally. the listener calls, though, are things that Jen, like, generally come full circle right where somebody says they're going to do something they do it and they report back on how it went completely and furthermore you and i complete the circle when you and i chat maybe off air or something in terms of what i'm doing in my life and what you're doing in your life because we're friends to a certain degree i feel like these listeners have become friends to a certain yeah. degree I you mean, know, like I'm tracking their storyline. I want, I'm yep. invested in this engagement. I want to know about the girl, how, you know, who is she? What did all this stuff? So I'm thrilled to always hear the circle get completed. I'm, I'm curious if our vulgar, vulgar van friend uh, went out and chatted with Luke Cederman. I am too. Gosh, now they're going to have to call back again um, because I thought the same exact thing. Cederman made a comment on a podcast about that fight. guy's call-in. Yeah, specific. so it would make it would it wouldn't be out of the, the blue if he paddled up to Luke and been like, hey, remember that podcast you answered? I'm the guy whose question it was. 
which would have made Luke, I'm sure, very happy. Like when that totally. happens to me, I love it. Totally. Um, I also love that the surfing world is so small that you can paddle, you go to Raglan and the guy who runs Raglan Surf Report, who's an internet quote celebrity, um, it happens to be out there doing the thing to the top level. You know, like he's the guy in the water trading barrels with Ace Bucken. There's no version of this in your childhood that you show up at your local park to play hoops and Michael Jordan is out there slam dunking on friends. I mean, that's the best part. One of the best parts about surfing is this is pretty much guaranteed. Like you can go, yeah. <laughs> if you want, you can go to, you know, be a Jamie O'Brien fan and you can go in the winter to the North shore and 100% you can watch Jamie O'Brien surf. You can paddle out. You can talk to Jamie O'Brien. Like, you know, where you're, heroes are and you can easily go find them anywhere you want it's totally incredible i'm just uh, wondering what what the heck ace buckin was doing on a surf trip i mean it's pretty great like ace i feel is from those glory years where i mean people are going to be looking like the younger generations the i'm mean, gonna say the colapintos of this world the whoever is who are the young kids competing at the u.s open of surfing right now what's like a name who's maybe gonna come up to the big leagues at some point uh, Nolan Raposa. Okay, so Nolan Raposa, when he gets onto the CT, will be making, if he's lucky, $75,000 a year. Like, if he's, like, really crushing it, right? Uh, yeah. And plus a little winnings if he wins a little bit. Uh, Ace Buckin, probably for a huge part of his career, was well over 1.2 or 3 a year, right? For, like, totally a huge part of his career. And so... Ace Bucken can self-sponsor now. That's a great point. Um, well, uh, I saw Luke post something on Instagram with Ace Bucken. And so I knew Ace was out there. And then this guy kind of calling in and validating it is, is uh, verification. The reality is Ace still surfs at such a high level. Like we can kind of make fun of him and the role that he played on tour of just being kind of a workhorse and not that exciting, but guys at that level will surf at the highest level until they're in their fifties, which is enviable in and of itself, regardless of the amount of money they made to be able to show up at Ragland and still shred no matter what is enviable. I mean, that's the thing is I think ACE was only tainted by being on tour where sometimes the waves are fickle or iffy. You're not in the best waves all the time. And you're also with competition that can, sort of, I don't know, highlight your deficiencies compared to them, but throw Ace in grinding, pumping left barrel, and he will be amongst the, you know, best surfers out there. Yeah, for decades probably yeah. to come. I mean, the reality is Ace could actually blame what we would identify as being boring surfing that he does. He could blame that on competitive surfing itself completely like completely. he completely surfed to the format that's what he focused on for two decades and he's a phenomenal surfer he's a phenomenal like um in terms of um he's a master of the craft yes he just he's a had master of professional surfing com professional completely. competitive surfing he just had zero creativity the uh real quick segue uh while we're on vans here i guess we've moved away from vans but back to vans <laughs> I got another, I got another curtain and van. The curtain and van, uh, no barrel has caused quite a bit of waves. Oh, really? Who's pissed now? Rob one, Rob Machado. 
texted me and said, it is a barrel. What is he driving? A van with curtains. Creepy, dude. Yep. Imagine so, Joe why is Rob self-identifying right now? Well, because Rob uh, is delusional a bit. Rob, <laughs> Rob thinks it's not creepy. Rob thinks... Rob- Rob lives in everyone's good graces, and now he's going to go out and associate with curtained van people. He, he, he is. He like he can be their champion. Maybe maybe Rob normalizes curtained van curtained van people. I don't know. That is a risky risky move. Sure is, but if if there's one person with enough goodwill in the entire world, it may just be Rob Machado. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I really, I can't disparage Rob. He holds a warm place in my heart. So I'm struggling to say the words that I really want to say to make this joke work. So I'm not going to say it, but Rob just, just put, leave it there. Rob just put America's perverts on his back <laughs> and is carrying them to the promised land of respectability. I don't know. Rob and Nambla are both pushing real hard, <laughs> pushing real hard with an agenda, and it makes me very suspicious. <laughs> well, Rob, um, best of luck with that effort. Um, <laughs> FBI may be on, you may be on their radar right now. I'll leave that up to them. Um, I've got, we're going to talk US Open. There's more WSL related stuff, but I got a listener email real quick that I want you to address. They said, Hey, I should have listened. I should be listening to the shore more before I ask this question, because maybe you have covered skim life, meaning skimboarders, but they are so interesting to me. Who are skimboarders? Why do they choose that life? I'm always impressed despite a barrel or no barrel quandary about their penchant for shove -its. I've had a chance to make some skim boards for two high profile skimmers. And both times I thought, hey, we could adjust uh, the design to make them more bottom turn friendly so that you're not always doing that weird lean over with an exaggerated sticking your butt out. But both times the skimmers sort of looked at me and said there was nothing to improve. What is skimboarding? Where is it going? Has it peaked? Epic. I'm a full barrel on skimboarding. FYI, because I, I am too. One, it is totally entertaining to watch. Like if you're at Laguna or whatever on a big dumpy shore break day where like where they really do it and guys are getting pitched or getting belted or whatever, it is like endless entertainment sitting and watching. That's one. Two, they don't clog the lineup. They don't go in the lineup. They they exist in a surf space that no surfer ever is. And so it's like a perfect addition to the surfing lifestyle, right? And then three, when they get when a skimmer really gets a good one, like one kind of a short break one that runs, and they for me, when they go out there and do like the snap and get a little barrel, it is like looks so satisfying. There's something very satisfying about watching skimboarding. So I am couldn't be a higher barrel on skimboarding and would encourage more surfers to embrace the skim way. Completely agree. And I think that the I think everybody would agree. I can't imagine somebody who has anything negative to say about it, but his questions are still really interesting. Yeah. Who are skimmers? Who's committed to this lifestyle? Because it would make sense if these were surfers who then 
you know, in the right opportunity, they pick up a skim board or in a different opportunity, they pick up a foil board or a lawn board or whatever it happens to be. But he's right in that there are skimmers who are committed to the lifestyle. That's all that they do. Well, and it's not included like you have a waterman, like Kyleni, right. for example. Kyleni, he paddleboards, he big wave surfs, small wave surf, foils, subs, wind surfs. Kyleni does not skimboard. Right. It's weird, right? You'd think Super that a multidisciplinary waterman would have like, so it's entirely separate. It's a separate because category. It's almost not a water sport. It's more on land than it is water to a certain degree. A sand sport. But I mean, you're always skimming over water. You can't skim Barely. on dry land. You're, you're running for a second on dry sand. But once that board hits the, there's, you know, the millimeters or I don't know how much, but there's the finest layer of water there. It is a water sport. If it's a 10 second ride, the first three seconds are on no water. Yep. The next three seconds are on a minimal amount of water. And then that last portion is actually on water. So it's a 70% water sport, I would say. But it's a, I mean, it's almost makes me want to go up to Laguna to where, where's that, what beach is like skim heaven? There's like that one spot in Laguna that's like serious skim. I don't know one. I mean, there are a lot of Laguna shore break and skimmable. Okay. Most of so Laguna. It almost makes me want to go on a pilgrimage, just like I went across these great United States uh, to find a non-surfing surf fan and find the true heart of skimboarding. Like, why do they embrace the skim life over the surf life? It's a great, great question. I'm super curious. Uh, it has not been perverted yet by any contests, I don't believe. And for sure, they've had to have had some. Even if they've had individual contests, those, and when things start small like that, it's more of a celebration, you know, like. Well, and for sure, anybody watching the contest also skimboards. There's no yeah. way somebody's sitting on the sand. I mean, I guess if it's at the Laguna, then it's just a show for the people. But yeah, I'm going to say skimboarding is unpervertible. I agree. Like, like there's something essential to watching skimboarding, right? It's like mesmerizing to watch. Surfing is great to watch too-ish, but. I don't know. It's better to serve, but skimboarding, I'm just happy to sit and watch. Have you ever tried it? Skim? Yeah. Have you? you, you yeah. I, I mean, skimming for me started with a slick bottom boogie board that you of run. Course. Yeah. And that you need a little bit more water yep. underneath um, and you don't go as fast and it doesn't go as far, but that was just like what you do <clears throat> when you're resting, I guess, as a kid yeah. from surfing. Yes. Um I don't remember if I ever actually got an actual skimboard and tried. I think at some point I took enough diggers on the boogie board that I just like gave up and I was tired of, yeah, hitting the sand, hitting the hard packed sand. And I focused on surfing. So I, I don't know if I've ever actually tried. I had a proper fiberglass Victoria skimboard. No way. Yeah. Up in Coos Bay, Oregon. Yeah. Like I would, when the, when it was too blown out or too nasty, uh, I would bring the skim to when I was a kid or have, I guess, throw the skim in the van. Uh, and if it was unsurfable, then I'd while away the hours just skimming. In freezing cold, like with a wetsuit on? It was freezing cold, but no, because uh, yeah, you know, like you're not really ever, so you get cold, but you hop back yeah. out and it's always cold there, but yeah, no wetsuit. The goal is to not ever hit the water actually yeah. for skimming. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, that speaking of Laguna Beaches, Victoria is an iconic uh, Laguna Beach. 
Does uh, Victoria use uh, US blank foam? I haven't. Well, they're not made out of foam, are? Yeah, my. Well, I thought they were. I thought they were just made out of plywood. No, they have no. Uh, they have foam and resin. Oh, who knew? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I'm glad we solved that. Or you'll, I guess, get dig deeper get into that. it. The other question that he asked is, has it peaked? And I would say no. I think this, I think skimboarding maybe plateaus at a certain point at a high peak and then continues to enjoy that ride forever because it's always going to be there. Yeah. I mean, I think you have the like Instagram, like Austin, what's his name? Or what's the guy? Gillette, like... Austin Gillette, Bill Bryant. Are those skimmers? Yeah. Brad Donkey. Yeah. Brad Donkey. So you, you'll have like the, I think the social media. Like when Brad rode, uh, where was it? He was at the Mexican pipeline, right? On his yeah. skim. Yeah, yeah. Like, so those, those clips will go kind of viral and give more maybe spotlight to skim life. But I think skim life never, never fully dips. I don't think there's such thing as a peak or valley in skim life. No, because they're always there doing it because yeah. they're doing it. They're not doing it for the fanfare. They're not doing it for a contest. They're just doing it for love. The love of the skim. Yeah, got to appreciate that. Yep. Um, U.S. Open is going on right now. The Padang Padang event took place within the last, I think, 24 hours. I think did you, yeah, did you not write a story yet that the Aaron Brooks, young Aaron Brooks female, competed in the male division, made the final? Didn't even know that. Yes. How did I, how was I missing? I was so focused on the U.S. Open of surfing that I missed the story of the year. Yeah, nobody has written about this yet, so you can break the news if you want, but she was in the semifinals. She was winning it for a bit against Clay Marzo, Nick Von Rupp, and I forget who else. She had an eight in the semifinal, um, but anyway, she beat a ton of important people all the way to the final. She took fourth in the final, but the fact that she made the final is unbelievable. That was an epic story. I can't I believe know. that I was blinded to this thing. Yeah. yeah I'll get on. Incredible. Uh, did you Pretty incredible. It? Did you watch any? I uh, skimmed through. The thing is, with these events, they um, they just stream it live on YouTube. They don't show. I haven't seen like a repackaging. There's no heat analyzer where you could go watch individual waves. So I pulled up the 10-hour event this morning and kind of skimmed through to see the important rides uh, using that little buffer bar at the bottom. Glorious, but... Clay Marzo got a 10 in the final. Clay Marzo actually won the event. So I got to see all the, or some of the important rides, I should say. Great. Well, I'm going to yeah. dig in. Yeah. And first of all, certainly bravo to Aaron, but just bravo to her for being in the right places in the world at the right times this past year or two. She's had a lot of hype and a lot of expectation. And you see sometimes young surfers just go the contest route and they're at every cute every uh, nssa event or whatever she seems to have taken the option to just be in the best waves in the world she was in kandui for that crazy swell two weeks ago now she's at padang to compete in this event i think that's a phenomenal use of her time and she's developing a real credibility in the real surf world love it i mean because she could have very easily been in huntington beach fighting it out in dumpy closeouts I mean, arguably, that's what management and sponsors would have told her to do because they'd want her to sign autographs or something. Yep. But nope, she's out there making the finals. Well, man, this is a good story. Totally. Um, so as 
we uh, talk about the U.S. Open. Are you watching the U.S. Open at all? I watched a couple minutes, maybe, probably five minutes total, I'll say. Why so little? Oh, man. I mean, Huntington, like the waves yesterday were kind of good, right? Or maybe really good. I don't know. I wasn't watching it. I think they might have been really good yesterday or kind of good somewhere, (laughs) somewhere in that range. But even really, really good Huntington, like, to be honest, I remember old enough to remember the first time I saw an air reverse in a contest, right? Maybe not the first time, but those early where you see, I saw somebody do it and I thought, this is magic. Like Timmy Curran or someone, right? Hold on real quick. Oh, damn it. Hold on. Gotcha. Mosquito. Uh, well done. Thank you. Got it. Uh, Timmy Curran, right? Like, whipping a little air reverse and thinking that is pure magic i can't even imagine doing that right i can't even imagine what it would feel like to leave the wave come back onto the wave. now 20 years on or whatever it's been a wave ending air reverse is so boring to me and that's to me in a nutshell what the u.s open of surfing is it's somebody doing something on a wave and ending with an air reverse uh i guess i mean i saw just rude, I guess, suppose. I saw Griff, is Griffin serving in it? Or no, it's his brother, Crosby. Crosby, Crosby, Crosby kicked like some massive, did you see that he's there? No. He kicked some massive air, you know, like boom. And I guess Huntington provides room for those every now and again, which is awesome. But I suppose it's rude to say, but maybe I'm just kind of bored with aerial surfing in and of itself, where that's what Huntington the best thing you can do there is a, is a big air, right? Yeah. I was going to get like an epic turn or a sick barrel or anything. Yeah. There's years where they did. I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking of a lot of different scenarios. Andy Irons backside floater when it was freaking double overhead and surging South swell that was like fully closed out too big. I would never have made the paddle out on that day. That was insane to see. Kelly Slater got a crazy backside barrel on a year that was similar waves to that, but those are few and far between what you're talking about. The air reverse thing is by far the dominant feature of the event. Um, you're talking about remembering seeing the first air in a contest. I too, I don't know if it was the first, but I too remember showing up at Huntington to watch the U S open live at some point going up on the pier and there was a guy from Australia named Kirk Flintoff. I remember Kirk Flintoff. Yeah. Who's since competed in like the Red Bull Cape Fear events, big wave stuff. But at the time, he was Jadson Andre before Jadson Andre hit the scene. This was probably eight years prior to Jadson winning that Brazil event over Kelly in the final by doing the exact same air reverse over and over. That's what Kirk was doing at events like Huntington. So he had no sponsors. Nobody had really heard of him and he shows up and every left he got, he was just doing these crazy airs and he was making heats by doing it. And eventually he lost probably, I don't even remember where he finished in the event, but I was just so stunned by his consistency and how, yeah, it was just different that nobody else was able to do it to that level of consistency you know so it was mind-blowing it felt to me like in those early days of airs like it was a real roll of the dice if you're gonna land or not like you maybe had a one in 20 shot of sticking it Mm -hmm. uh and so when you saw one stuck i mean i don't 
they were probably sticking them consistently, but it just felt like almost you just w- witnessed a miracle. Totally. Yeah. So, but yeah, those, those are long gone, but ultimately my thoughts on the U S open at this point are, we all know the waves suck. And even when there's a lot of swell, it provides for dramatic moments, but it's still not good. Right. I think we've accepted it like in the surf world, we've accepted it as a cultural event. All the sponsors get involved. It's kind of in the epicenter of the surf industry for America. So everybody comes down to it. Big name, big name surfers come to it uh, mainly because their sponsors want them to. There was big prize money attached to it for a lot of years. So we've accepted movie premieres. As, yes, movie premieres. So again, cultural event, movie premieres, all this stuff. But in that, it's become something very different than a surf event. So because they have all these people coming, they think, oh, let's have uh, live music. Let's have BMX. Let's have skateboarding. Let's do all of this other stuff. And that attracts more than just a surf crowd. And so now it is something that barely resembles surfing at all. So our culture event, cultural event, which we accepted and embraced, has now become something that doesn't reflect our culture in any way, shape, or form. And now this is kind of what the outside world, all the news outlets come down to do a news story from the US Open of surfing. And it's not at all a reflection of our culture. And so I feel like now we shouldn't accept it as a cultural event anymore. We should actually be repulsed by the event because we always were repulsed by the surfing in the first place, you know? I mean, there's something about it though. Like I'm a, I'm sort of, a, I'm not sort of, I'm a big fan of the US Open. Like I'm not going up this year, but the idea of it, I, that it's, it's, you're right. It's taken on a life of its own. That's no longer reflective, but I don't feel like that doesn't make me feel bad about it. It makes me feel like good on it. It went off and took on a life of its own. And, you know, it's, it is circled on the calendar for all kinds of inland people and they come down and they, you know, get free stickers or keychains or whatever at the booth. And, they enjoy it, right? It's like the county fair coming in and they feel compelled to go maybe or whatever. It's just a thing they do and great. I'm happy that there is some weird surf-based thing for people to do while the action in the water is not very interesting. Also, I'm gonna say, it's crazy that it's a Challenger Series, right? Uh, this past week, I don't know if, yeah, it hadn't happened yet, but France got cut. Uh, the Quicksilver Pro France got axed from the schedule, causing much, I think, tears. Um, the Challenger Series feels totally broken to me, uh, where watching how many people are watching the US Open online, at least, it's nobody, right? Like this thing is, there's a lot of people there live, but it's not being streamed. Where Can you imagine, we should, you or I, should be pretty interested in the Challenger Series. Absolutely. Well, no. Um, A couple of things. They've they're only streaming the last few days of the U.S. Open, so they don't stream the first half of the event. They never have. But the WSL has put a bunch of effort into the Challenger Series. They've justified the cut of the main tour by creating the Challenger Series. So. If they're that invested in it, and by the way, I think a lot of viewers have bought into the excitement because I had dozens of people messaging me early this week going, 
what the hell, where's the US Open? Why can't I find the live stream for it? You know, they were, and they were just unaware that it wasn't going to be streaming, but they were invested in this thing that the WSL told them to be invested into. Subplot, the other thing that happens this week that you referred to is they cancel the Quicksilver Pro France, or I don't know if that's the name of it, but the Challenger Series event in France that Quicksilver sponsors, which completely undermines their initial, their entire sales pitch from the beginning. So is it broken? Possibly, but it's absolutely mismanaged. Like I know that they've never streamed the US Open early days in the past, but now that it's a Challenger Series event, you are obligated to. The, I mean, the whole thing to me, I wonder if the, uh, the, the cancellation of the Pro France, I think it is, I think it's like Quicksilver or Roxy Pro France, uh, yeah. are, I think that cancellation is telling in a lot of ways. Like Dirk yes. Ziff has not had enough or has not been fed up enough yet. Uh, this one, the shoe dropped, right? Like whatever, the tourism boards or Quicksilver, in a subplot to this one, rumor is that Quicksilver, Billabong, and Ruka, part of Board Riders, are going to sell, or Vans is taking a snip around, right? And so when this kind of stuff happens, Board Riders is obviously owned by a equity group, uh, a financial whatever, you know, there is not owned, it's owned by somebody building to sell it. So before to make this thing attractive, of course, you're cutting costs, right? And so I'm sure Quicksilver, they didn't pony up. The French government wasn't ponying up. And so instead of taking the bulk of the expense to run this thing, Ziff, I think traditionally has said yes, right? I mean, I don't remember major a major or mid-major event getting fully cut, uh, especially not with two months to go or a right. month and a half, whatever it is. This thing got fully cut. And so clearly now there's a limit to his spending. Uh, and so I wonder what other parts of the challenger series are untenable if this one is which is a historic much loved event right i mean people really like i've been seen alive like great event uh now that's cut and it got cut from the championship tour put on the challenge series now cut from that is the whole challenger series going to basically go away the it'd be a shame if it does and again the Challenger series was used to justify the mid-year cut for the main tour. So eliminating events from there undermines the entire premise of the redesign of the tour. Um, the other thing is we know that they've been losing money at every event. So why is this loss worth cutting where the other ones aren't? I mean, that's what I th it seems to me like this is more telling about the future of that Zip hadn't had enough until now. And now he has had enough. He expects, well, if not these things to break even, uh, and, and I'm, I have no, no insight into his amount of, you know, loss that he's willing to take. But for whatever reason, this Quicksilver Pro one was more loss than he was willing to take. Well, what happened to them having the most profitable year ever last year? I mean, that's what the silly thing is. Like I was just writing that this morning is this interview was released two months ago, right? For board sports source, uh, this rosy, rosy picture of the health of the world surf league in an interview with Eric Logan, just growth up revenues up 20%. 
engagement in the challenger series, I think it was up 330%, like just this boom of everything is wonderful. And then you're cutting and the way they cut it too, wasn't telegraphed. It wasn't, you know, like the surfers on the challenge series were bummed in the comments because a bunch of them had already bought tickets to France and hotel rooms right. and stuff. And, you know, it's maybe non-refundable and these guys, not like they're rich. And so, yeah, something, something happened that was extremely, yeah. I think if I was a betting man, I am a betting man, a poorly betting man. Uh, I'm going to think that more challenger series events are going to get dropped and in the next year or something, the idea of the challenger series is going to go away and they're going to go back to sort of a QS system that's based almost solely on either tourism board money or like all of those events are going to have to break even or make money. Uh, yeah. They'll take a loss in the championship tour, but the championship tour will have less events with less surfers, therefore be less expensive. And the QS is going to be about going to Brazil to whoever's going to host one of these things, Australia to Brazil to Virginia beach. Well, uh, I've said it before, but I'll restate it now. Cause it's, salient to this conversation but you can rewind the tapes for the last two years and people are like why you know at least you have this philanthropist who's funding the business just be appreciative for what you have and my argument was always no what i'm concerned about is that they drive this thing off into a ditch and then just hand the keys back you know like oh yeah they are trying things but if the things that they're trying turn surfing and surf the image of surfing into something that n does not reflect the act of surfing itself or what we all value and love about surfing. And then they crash the car in a ditch and they leave us with a wreckage. Eric Logan can go get a job elsewhere. Dirk Ziff, he's going to go find a write-off elsewhere. We're the ones who are now responsible for re- uh, for salvaging our image, for rebranding the championship tour, for finding new funders who won't probably want to fund something that wrecked so badly. We're the ones responsible for all of this stuff, for this thing that we love. So we're trying to protect the thing that we love, trying to maintain its dignity, first of all, and its integrity, and make sure that the best surfers are surfing in the best waves, all that sort of stuff for the future of the thing. Do you think, though, if it does, like, you know, as a surf journalist like i love that the world surf league exists right it provides endless content and i love it and wish it not i do not want it to fail absolutely do not want it to fail i want it to be successful uh but that being said uh if it does crash and ditch, ditch say and zips like i'm done with this whole thing uh, just not hand the key to anybody just throw the keys over his shoulder uh and professional surfing looked like specialty events would you be so so mad like if it was the padang padang cup pipeline will still run right there'll be like if there was five or six specialty events and there was no championship at the end there was no champion it was just sort of a agreed upon oh that this guy had the best year i'm fine with that but i'm not convinced those will still run you know like you still need you still need a governing body and an organization to do those things you still need if only a skeleton crew you need a crew of people tabulating the points and doing the live streaming and all that sort of stuff so 
I want to see the events and I want to see the best surfers in the best world uh, in the world competing in those events. That's what I want. I mean, I think mark my words, the challenge series is going to get dumped. Uh, the QS is going to become just another pointed or starred thing. Again, all based on tourism dollars and the championship tour is going to get cut down to eight events, 22 surfers. Yeah. Good. I hope that's what we've been hoping for all along. I mean, that's it. And then they'll, they'll continue to try to make money or not lose money at the top level. Great. Here's what you sh they should do. Just charge us for it. How about just I mean, run a profitable, have a run a streamlined, profitable business and be like, hey, pay-per-view events, give us 60 bucks. We'll give it to you. If you, the, I think the problem with the pay-per-view model, I, I agree with you, but is in the booth. I think if they had dynamic announcers, interesting people to listen to because if you're paying to watch this thing you're going to watch it right and you don't want to watch you don't want to, you don't buy a fight an mma fight or a boxing match and mute it right which they're going to really have to work that out i think like and nothing against the team they have now but it's not really working well they can if they rethink the business model they can rethink those elements of it as well yeah well so. exciting yeah, well, hey, a couple of True Grit or clickbait articles, potential clickbait articles from Beach Grit that you've written this past week. Um, before I read those headlines, I'm curious how karate chop and kick in the ribs is holding up with getting views compared to punching and choking out from weeks previous. Less, less, but they, okay. they, they are clicking along at a decent rate. It's not like okay. wild numbers there, but doing okay. Violence, violence I think I'm going to milk violence for a while here. It's I, like showing promise. I love that you're continuing it from week to week. And I love how creative you're getting with the different um, applications of violence. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to start going. I actually just the other day, I was looking up MMA, different MMA submission techniques and or punches and kicks. So we'll continue. I think that is the way to go. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is so popular in the real world that that is where you got to lean into. Like use triangle choke, use yep. arm bar. Rear naked choke is a good one. Because it has the word naked in it. I exactly. think the more specific, the more people will actually think that the article is about that. Yep. And so they're likely to click on it. Yeah, it's good. That's good. Okay. Karate chop was just funny because it's funny that a karate chop could ever even hurt somebody. <laughs> Seems like the least effective way to fight somebody. Just like yeah, just the, the side of your hand, just the thin exactly. part of your hand. Exactly. Uh, okay. So true grit or clickbait crap quote world surf league on extreme edge as u.s speaker of house nancy pelosi visits island nation of taiwan thereby infuriating china ahead of upcoming taiwan's open of surfing exclamation point well i just don't think the upcoming taiwan open of surfing is really in the window where they need to worry but maybe as these things go you know belligerent things can happen and lo and behold there we are in october and a 3,000 point event, another one canceled. And I'm sure the World Surf League is hoping, but I was also thinking Taiwan probably pays a pretty good penny for that 
event, right? I'm going to have to think the tourism board is heavily involved and not that it's, yeah, I'm going to say that event is a moneymaker. And so hands ringing in Santa Monica, I'm going to say it's true grit. Really? I mean, it's only a How does Nancy Incorporating Nancy Pelosi into the headline though is the clickbait part. That was good. That was that was good work. Yeah, that part was quick reading. But she was there. Well, the good news is I didn't even know there was a Taiwan open of surfing. So this was educational for this podcaster. It's great. 3,000 points. They have a longboard event there. I think it's one of the stops in the longboard tour. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Educational. Uh, article number two, Blood Feud, Pussycat Doll, Nicole Scherzinger makes brazen attempt to steal surf darling crown from fellow Chantreuse, uh, Shakira, Deuce. kicking multiple, what is it? Chantreuse. Chantreuse, that's right. Uh, Chantreuse, Shakira, kicking multiple platinum Colombian in the ribs while down, exclamation point. I think this one's going to go ahead and be clickbait, seeing as Nicole Scherzinger was wake surfing and I just, I've really done hard yards, just like I feel Beach Grit has made Jonah Hill a thing in surfing. I also want, I want Shakira to be the flip side, like the surf darling, the Val that everyone can get behind and be like, yeah, that's our girl. Go Shakira. Especially that she's facing eight years in prison for tax evasion. <laughs> yeah i know she's gonna miss surfing desperately while she's in prison but, um, but maybe we can boo her yeah we should at least boo your spirits right yes yeah absolutely so nicole scherzinger wakeboarded is is the uh point of this story what's the dip so chartreuse is a color is a female singer okay got yeah. it yeah yep See, I'm learning all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's informative. Exactly. All right, well, um, let's take a minute to go to commercial. And then I've got, when we come back, I've got a listener line call and then we'll go to Barrel or Not. Exciting. All right, Chaz, uh, you know what is among the most important things for anything that you're putting on or in your body is trust. It is so true. Let's just talk about sunscreen, for example. If I'm going to be slathering my body in it, I want to be able to trust that it's going to A, uh, not create any problems, and B, protect myself or my son, more importantly. You know how trust is built, David Lee Scales? Tell me. By providing a good service or thing time and time again, something that never fails. Completely agree. Sunbum.com is with us today, making this show possible. We, Chaz and I both use Sunbum. We use it not only for ourselves, but for our children as well. And one thing that we love about Sunbum is that um, they actually give back. They build shade structures for kids at playgrounds through this Protect the Grom initiative. But beyond that, their sunscreens are reef compliant with Hawaii Act 104. Another thing is when you and I were doing those PSAs four years ago, I interviewed a dermatologist at Scripps and he basically gave this quick outline. Look for something that is broad spectrum. So that means it protects against UVA and UVB and use mineral-based sunscreens. So um, 
their protective agent is from minerals. Sunbum has both of these things. They have all of these things. So you can get mineral-based sunscreen in any application from sprays to roll-on to lotions and be protected entirely. I've used Sunbum products for years and years now. And honestly, I've never once been let down. You can put your trust in the bum. Yeah, I'm using the face stick for surfing purposes and uh, then the face stick on my face and then lotion for my arms just because it applies easy. But in the face stick, because it doesn't migrate and it stays exactly, doesn't get in your eyes or anything like that. So at any rate, sunbum.com is where you go. Or by the way, they are nationally available and available through local surf shops as well. So go get them from your local surf shop or sunbum.com. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Chez, we are back. I've got a listener call. Before I'm going to read, this is um, fashion related, but before I play it for you, be aware, Shukin lives in Hawaii. He lives on Oahu. So that Great. might, you might need okay. to take that into consideration. Okay. Aloha, David and Chaz. Shukin calling in looking for some fashion advice. Um, I've got a big event coming up and I'm not sure if I should wear my Kelly Slater sea jeans or my Chuck Norris action pants. And when you recommend, do I do cowboy boots or flip-flops? Thanks a lot, boys. Aloha. Keep up the work. Wow. These are wow, difficult options. Right. Difficult options. Like, thank you for explaining that he's in Hawaii, because that weighs or changes heavily, right? 
I'm going to say go with the Kelly Slater sea jeans uh, with cowboy boots and a Hawaiian shirt. Be a bold move. Bold move. What is it? So uh, what? What there are, are um, Chuck, Did you know that? Yeah, of course. Panalolo, I think it's called. I'm probably saying it wrong. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, though. Something similar to that, for sure. Um, what are Chuck Norris action pants? I'm going to assume they're cargo pants, is what I had in my I mind. Think, I think so, too. Do they zip off at the knee? It would be pretty cool if they did in Hawaii, in case it gets hot. I mean, those exist. The zip-offs do exist. For sure. For sure, but uh, um, I want. I should have Googled. I should have Googled cargo or um, Chuck Norris action pants before we started the show. But I I just remember Chuck Norris always wearing jeans, and they were super skin tight jeans. Yeah, but I'm gonna go with Kelly. I'm gonna go with kind of a baggy. I'm picturing them a baggy kind of Kelly jean with like a nice cowboy boot and a Hawaiian shirt. I'm gonna say that's gonna be a good look because I feel that's also kind of a little bit like. Uh, What's his name? Burt Reynolds as Magnum P.I. Uh, Tom Selleck. I mean, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck as Magnum <laughs> what I meant. Um, so cowboy boots is not what I would have expected. I mean, I know that we're no barrel on wearing sandals in public, but cowboy boots is a risky move. Except for Hawaii, Hawaii's great cultural heritage of the Panalolo or whatever, the Hawaiian cowboy. Okay. Like, you know, you could pull okay. it off. Okay. I guess that's it. Yeah. Okay, I'm looking up action, Chuck Norris action pants. This was actually a thing, it looks like. Um, but they're jeans. They're just like baggier boot cut jeans, apparently. Oh, are they are they Wranglers? They're not Wranglers. It looks like it's a brand called Action Jeans. I mean, if he has a pair of honest to goodness action jeans, then of course wear those. That okay, it says their, their slogan is won't bind the legs. Uh, definitely a hundred percent. Go for the, go for the Chuck Norris action. I changed. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I looked this up because I completely thought it was the cargo, cargo. pants that you were talking about and they make action shorts too, which are these super shortcut jean shorts. Great. Definitely. You can, you're going to look like a million bucks. You throw those Kelly jeans away. Go only completely. action pants all the time. Chuck Norris is an icon and yeah. yeah, the Kelly, the Kelly C jeans thing just feels like such a gimmick. Yeah. I, like the whole thing of like and the campaign the was yes. And the campaign was denim is dirty. And so we're going to make slightly less dirty version. How about just avoid jeans entirely then? You know I mean, what I mean? Like there's plenty of denim manufacturers at all. We don't need one more. Exactly. Boo Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, we already have Chuck Norris making action pants. What do we need yours for? You don't need any to do anything, Kelly. Okay. Shukin, cowboy boots, action jeans. Let's see a photo. Yep. Um, okay, barrel or nah? This is one straight off a menu. Ate at a nice restaurant in Harlem this past week and uh, gave this a go. And I have an opinion on it, but I'm going to ask your opinion. Barrel or nah? chicken and waffles oh yeah big barrel i'm a big barrel on chicken and waffles uh the taste combination is just perfect the sweet crunchy the bread of the waffle or the density of the waffle with the chicken it is a whether it's with syrup or honey can't go wrong on chicken and waffles big barrel i thought i thought that for a long time 
And I think I may have outgrown it. I just feel at this point, it's so freaking decadent. And yeah, it's like, okay, the salty greasiness of the chicken counteracted with the sweetness of the waffle is a good combo. I just, I don't need more than one bite of it. And also the waffle itself, the sweetness could be provided by some other source other than a waffle because it's too much. It's bread with a fried breaded chicken. It's just way too much of everything. I will, I will grant you that chicken and waffles should not be your main. Uh, one order of chicken and waffles should be ordered for the table. And then everybody gets to their adult-like mains. Okay, that's fine with me. I can I can co-sign that. And that should be said for any breakfast uh, dessert item, like pancakes. Just get a pancakes for the table. Nobody needs to eat a full stack of pancakes. I mean, it's very true. And it's such a weird thing, I will say, about aging is, for me at least, losing the sweet tooth entirely, where give me bitter, give me salty, give me anything but sweet at this point. Like the grosser and more like... Just I'll spoon down horseradish all day long instead of eating a yummy chocolate chip pancake. I love disgusting things at this point in my life. Like the demorted blue cheese, horseradish, Worcestershire sauce, anything, anything bitter, pungent. I'm all in. I'm all in blue cheese, stuffed olives in a gin martini. That's yeah. as good as it gets. Yep. Done yeah. and dusted. Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up, I was born in Long Beach, went to college in Long Beach. I've eaten Roscoe's chicken and waffles. They're arguably the most famous in the world for doing it. So I've had it there. I've had it out. I've had it at hoity-toity restaurants. Now I find myself in Harlem. I didn't even want it, but I'm like, this oh, place man. is known for chicken. Yeah. And this place is known for chicken. And so I'm going to go ahead and get it. I ate three bites of it. And I'm like, what am I doing? This I'm is done. so gluttonous. It's, it's over the top. I can appreciate the flavor kind of contrast that we talked about, but it's way too much. I'm still going to say barrel though. I'm going to say that one bite is worth it. Okay. I'm going to have to just diverge at this point, sadly becoming an adult and I'm going to go nah. Okay. Wow. All right. But anybody who hasn't ever tried it should at least try it. Definitely. What, what's the thing on a menu that you will order no matter what? If it's on the menu, it's a guarantee you'll order it. Do you have any of those? Yeah, I'm sure that I do. But I'm, I need a minute to think it up. What about um, you? Biscuits and gravy. If biscuits and gravy is on the menu, it's 100% I will order biscuits and gravy. Yeah, well, I knew that to be true because one time we were in Florida and it was on the menu and I ordered it for the table and I passed it over to you because it's too much to eat on your own. Biscuits and gravy. I will eat biscuits and gravy on my own all day. I love biscuits and gravy. It is amazing. Starter. And the only reason you could say that, though, is because you don't encounter it every day. It's true. It's rare. If you lived in Florida, you would encounter it every day, and then you wouldn't order it every time you saw it. That's true. Yeah. Uh, okay, barrel or not. Also, these two I encountered at Central Park. Uh, barrel or not, wearing swimwear, nowhere near water. No barrel. So it was a sun. It was a sunny day, and there's women in Central Park on a hill in two-piece thong bathing suits, sunbathing. Oh, they're okay. If you're sunbathing, yes. I'm gonna say I'm gonna caveat. If you're wearing board shorts, nowhere near water, that is no barrel. If you're going to go sun in Central Park, then 
your options are a bra, or I mean, I guess topless, a bra and panties, which is weird, or a, I mean, I feel there's space in the market for sunbathing wear. There really is. I think it's you nailed it because it is I also saw, I also saw males there wearing trunks. I don't know if they're board shorts, but they're definitely trunks shirtless and not necessarily laying out, but like run, jogging through the park, walking to the park, riding bikes through the park, whatever. And I just, yeah, I was like, I was a little bit taken aback because whenever you see that much skin on anybody, you assess it real quick. You're just like, wait, what are they doing? Oh, I guess it's hot and they're just getting their exercise. So sure, I guess they're a little cooler if they have no shirt on, but it does always take you aback. And then when you look over and you see women in bathing suits in the park, you're like, wow, okay. But I think this could be solved if there was sunbathing specific product. If there was sunbathing gear, sunbathing shorts for man, sunbathing swimsuits for, or not, I'm sorry, look at me getting all caught up. Sunbathing <laughs> suits for women? Like where you don't, hey, of course, like, the sunbathing gear uh, should specifically, like, if it gets wet, it basically gets destroyed. There you go. Yeah. Solved it. Yep. It's specific for sunbathing. Action sunbathing gear. You could do it, too, where you could probably, like, fix tan lines and stuff. If it's not supposed to be functional in the water, it's just supposed to be functional for getting maximum amount of sun. It's all kinds of stuff we could do. The world is our oyster. Yep. I agree with you. Because... My thought whenever I see people in sunbathing, sun uh, swimsuits, nowhere near water, is are they showing off? You know, I see that dude with trunks doing his thing. I'm going, this guy, it's never a giant fat dude. It's always some guy who's got some muscle tone, a six pack. I'm like, is he really just trying to get sun or is he showing off right now? My so uh, always uh, first instinct when I like, for example, in Central Park, uh, seeing people sunbathing in swimsuits nowhere near water is your life sucks like i don't have to do this because i'm gonna go back to the beach and then like if i'm in central park i'm in central park i don't have to be getting my son here because i go to a place where there is some guess what and right. water exactly exactly sorry okay i'm gonna go as much as i enjoyed uh gawking i'm gonna go no on that yep. one as well no barrel okay. Uh, barrel or not, also Central Park, playing in an adult league. Oh, man. Tough one. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say if you are in an adult league, be it Ultimate Frisbee, softball, soccer, any adult league, you are a nerd. And <laughs> it just is true. It, it, you could be crushing it in that league. You could have such ability and skill you're still a nerd adult leagues are there's the husk of nerd on adult leagues is so thick there's no cracking it man i'm gonna go hard the other way i'm you're going go hard full barrel. barrel full barrel dude i think this is a child if you can retain any element of your youth and childlike exuberance in your adulthood do it these are dudes and presumably women, I saw male softball, but at the park there, but <clears throat> you are just wanting to get together with your friends. They're probably going to crack, crack a cold beer. They're just having fun. I think that is enviable. Man, there's a adult Frisbee, uh, adult, yeah. Ultimate Frisbee league that plays in the park near my house. And I walk through and these people 
these adults with like headbands on and stuff. It is so, it makes me feel so embarrassed just to even be in the park when they're in the park. It may, it may be sports specific then. Uh, but if you like, okay, if you're like in a league in air quotes, uh, softball league, right? Where the whole point is to basically drink and swing a bat. That's kind of fun. I'm still going to say, like, people get serious. Like, I know. Once, once it became, and it always becomes serious. Like, I've known people who were in softball leagues. I'm sorry, kick, remember when kickball was having its like resurgence? Yeah. So there was a kickball league around here, and they would get so serious about it, even though it was ostensibly, you know, not serious at all. Like, they would joke about how serious they were being. Uh, yeah. But right underneath that joke was actual seriousness like and headbands once headbands come out it's game over and headbands always come out i think you nailed it it's about like uh once you take it seriously then it becomes the movie dodgeball yeah you know then it becomes a joke but what i was tapping into or mentioned earlier was just like if you're reliving your childlike exuberance I think that's the right way to approach it and have a blast. And if you're just and you're, like, if you're going to drink and have a good time, that's fine too. But if you are taking it, if you're reliving your childhood thing, because you never hit the home run when you were a kid and now you're determined to hit that home run, that's where it becomes a problem. And the reality is there's probably that guy on every single team. I'm, I'm going to say too, adults having too much fun in public is awkward. Like as an adult, just like your sweet tooth disappears. Like if you saw an adult just really eating a banana split and just smack <laughs> their gums, and you would think, oh, dripping so down their chin. Yeah, just yummy, yum, yummy. Uh, that'd be awkward, right? Just like an adult exuberantly pumping a fist for hitting a homer. Like adults are supposed to be, I'm all about the British, the stiff upper lip, just. Keep your emotions inside as an adult. That's kid stuff. All right. All right. So if you're in a league, it has to be a ball sport and you're only allowed eight laughs throughout the entire game. Oh, if you takes... hit nine, you're getting kicked out. But you're not, you're also not taking it seriously. So your lack of laughing right. is not because you're really focused. You're vaguely disinterested the whole time. Agreed. Uh, we have a friend, kind of family friend. He's like 90. I think he's 92. And he still plays in a baseball league and it's the highlight and it keeps him fit. It keeps him going. And then he also like coaches or bat boy or something in another league as well. So kind of multiple nights a week, he has an opportunity to go to the ball field and be involved in something. I'm going to say just like old people become babies again, that's okay for old people. Once you're over 75, have at it, go be exuberant and go like, that's when it's time to do your league. I completely agree. There is a certain age where all bets are off and yep. you just do what you want. All rules don't apply. Um, but a, it is weird if you're 35 and you got a kid at home and you're like, it's Wednesday night. And you're like, honey, it's seven 15. I got a bail Ball time, you know, do the, Ball yeah. Time. yeah. Yeah. And oh. you're like saving up to buy your fancy bat and you're stretching before you go. All of that is weird. Exactly. So it all turns into. Okay. All right. Well, once again, we've solved all the world's problems. Well done. It's great. It feels good. Well, it feels good to be back. I feel like it's been forever. 
yeah well i'm excited to be in person maybe next week let's hope here's hoping i get a negative hoping i get a negative test before next week um yeah thanks to all our listeners i forgot to mention eric holland in san francisco won paisel the paisel shadow that we were giving away amazing a san franciscite gets to paddle out at ob he said he's gonna surf it for sure like he's not gonna wall hang it great yeah so congratulations congratulations and we'll also be giving away a panda shiitake at the beginning of september i guess it'd be september 1st so we'll start discussing that next week perfect yeah so thanks to all listeners that support the work thanks to all the listeners and uh thanks to sunbum.com as well for supporting us today trust the bum absolutely all right chaz until next week bon voyage